title of the night is Changed. It's all about the changed life. And what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on Calvary was about change. It was about change. He, God, Himself, came in the form of man so that your life could be changed and my life could be changed, not only in the here and now, but for all ever, all, all eternity, forever and ever. You know, change is a powerful thing. What I've discovered about my life is that change is difficult. Change is difficult. Change isn't easy. And the older you get, the harder it is to change. But I want you to know tonight, there is hope. And our hope is found in Christ. In your handout tonight, you had scripture readings. And I want you to turn to Isaiah. You can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. But it's also in your, in your bulletin tonight, Isaiah chapter 53. And we're going to read verses 5 and 6. And the Bible says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now we're going to read two more verses found in the New Testament. The prophet Isaiah had this revelation 900 years before Jesus was ever born. That this Messiah that was to come, this, this, this child that was to be born into the earth, he would be their deliverer. He would be their hope. And the Bible declares very explicitly the kind of death that this person would have. And Isaiah tells us that all the things that Christ did on the cross for you and I so, is, is so that we could experience change. In John chapter 19, verse number 30, John chapter 19, verse number 30. We saw it depicted tonight when Jesus was nailed to the cross. But I want you to hear the last words of Jesus that he breathed when he was alive on this planet. And the Bible says when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Everyone say finished. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And one more verse I want us to read together tonight. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Let us pray. Father, I thank you tonight for your amazing grace. Father, I thank you that before the foundations of the world, your eternal plan was that for your one and only and begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was God himself, come in the form of human flesh, live upon this planet, breathe upon this planet, live among us a perfect and sinless life. He was sinless in every way. And Jesus, I thank you tonight that when you were here, you thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but you humbled yourself and you set aside for those 32 and a half years, you set aside the prerogative of all the glory and all the power of heaven. And you said before you left this planet that you would give us your spirit, that you would never leave us nor never forsake us. And that the power for change, the power for change would take place when you ascended into heaven's glory. Lord, I thank you that you said your spirit would always be with us. 
Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here tonight to do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, you comfort those who need to be comforted. You convict those who need to be convicted. And you bring about the eternal, everlasting change that only you can do. So I ask this right now for every heart that's here to give them spiritual ears to hear. And God, that you would use me one more time to communicate clearly the power of change and the message of the cross. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Do what only you can do in this place. In your mighty name, amen. In the public eye lately, there has been some really tragic events for a couple of families. A couple of men went way beyond the boundaries of what they were supposed to live in relationship to, the relation, in relation to their covenant that they had made with their wife in marriage. Both of these men's names and their families' names have been dragged across the public arena. Paparazzi's following them and, and front page of the newspaper and television. You, you can't escape it. You know both of these people's names. One person in particular is very close to us because he actually lives in this community. He's the most famous golfer in the world. His name is Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods, he's had a lot of pain in his life over the last couple of months. I mean, a guy who was on the very top now has found himself really kind of a laughing stock and made fun of. And, and his poor wife publicly humiliated, not just one time, but night after night after night. And as I begin to think about his relationship and, and some of the things that had happened in his life, I was watching the news reports, and uh, uh, right after this took place in January, there was a, a famous news reporter. His name is Brent Humes. And Brent Humes, while he was talking, while he was talking about Tiger and about what had happened in his life, the question was asked to him, and I want to read it to you. The question was asked about Tiger and what would happen to his personal life. He said, the Tiger Woods that emerges once the news values died out of the scandal, the extent to which he can recover, seems to me to depend upon his faith. He said, he's a Buddhist. I don't think that faith, that faith, offers the kind of forgiveness and redemption that is offered by the Christian faith. So my message to Tiger would be, turn to the Christian faith, and you can make a total recovery and a great example to the world. Now, well, I mean, this is, this is a nationally known news reporter. He's getting ready to retire this year. I didn't even know that he was a believer. And he came under a barrage of criticism. I mean, he was slammed in the media and the New York Times and the L.A. Times and every public uh, uh, communication oracle on television and ESPN. He was harangued. He was harassed. People said he was small, bigoted. Uh, uh, one person even went to say that he was totally crazy in what he said. The next day he was being interviewed by another reporter. And he was talking about why it created such a stir, the things that he said. And I want you to hear what Brent Hume said. Brent Hume said, Christianity is uniquely and especially about redemption and forgiveness. That is what the Christianity of the faith is about. Now, other faiths aren't hostile to the idea, but think of what the message of Christ in Christianity is. It is that the God of the universe sent his only begotten son, who died a hideous death on the cross to atone for all of our sins. Brent later went on to say, when the reporter asked him why there were so many negative comments about Christianity, he replied this way, you speak the name of Jesus Christ and all hell breaks loose. Come on, amen. 
You speak the name of Jesus Christ and all hell breaks loose. I believe tonight as we have boldly and publicly declared the risen Savior, we have remembered the cross tonight. But I want you to know the cross alone wasn't sufficient. Around the world tonight, there are church services held in remembrance of the cross. But see, the cross took us only so far. The work that took place on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ brought us into relationship with Him, with our, with our Savior, and with our Lord. He said it was finished. And tonight, I want you to hear, I want you to open your hearts. For at the end of this service, there's going to be a challenge to every one of us. You see, the possibility and the potential for change exists for every person. But you must believe. You must believe. In 1775, there was a a famous, now a famous American citizen. His name was Patrick Henry. And Patrick Henry, you know, he said these words. Give me liberty or give me death. When Patrick Liberty said those words, he said those in the St. John's Cathedral in Richmond, Virginia. And he declared that day that liberty or death would be his for the cause of freedom. He stood for freedom. He believed for freedom. And the, the bell that had been brought from England in 1750, which now is in, is in Philadelphia called the, the Liberty Bell, was rang from that chapel that day. That clarion call went out, and it was a call to all of those who were about to revolt against the tyranny, against the evilness, and against the oppression of those who had been in their place of authority. Patrick's Henry, give me liberty or give me death, has come down 200 years later. That freedom that literally over the years now, millions of men and women have died for, have laid their lives on, laid their lives uh, on the lives for, and wars and world wars these people who have died for freedom this freedom that was meant to bring bring liberty and hope and life has become bondage you see we have become a generation that now says give me give me you see there's a difference between give me liberty or give me death you see there is a cost to that there is a price to pay in our human video tonight we saw each one of the people each one of the individuals, first Jesus, who was nailed to the cross. And then we saw Peter, who his, historians tell us was hung upside down because he considered himself not worthy to die in the same manner that the Lord Jesus Christ died in. And then we saw the young girl who took the cross. You see, there is a cross. You have to deal with the cross. You, you, the cross in your life must become real. You see, because when the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes real in your life and in your heart, change will happen. You will be changed. You will be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed. You see, that's the message of the cross. That's the message of hope in our generation. But see, the message of freedom tonight has become twisted and convoluted. What was meant to bring hope and life and liberty to this great nation has become spiritual bondage to literally millions, not only here, but around the world. You see, there is spiritual bondage that robs men of the freedom that Christ came and died for. See, Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Sunday morning, we've been in a series entitled Living a Life of No Regrets. This Sunday morning, I'm going to be concluding on Easter Sunday with a message entitled The Door. You see, there is a door to life. There is a door to peace. There is a door 
to victory. There is a door to freedom from the tyranny of the things that have kept you back from becoming the person that God has created you to be. But that doorway tonight always comes through the cross. It doesn't come any other way. You must know the power of the cross and the resurrection of Christ for yourself. See, what keeps us from experiencing this spiritual freedom? When Jesus was on this planet, the very first message that he preached, the very first message that he declared to people who were within earshot of his hearing in the temple was this, and it's found in Luke chapter 4. He's also quoting the prophet Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to, be, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, you got to hear that tonight. The year of the Lord's favor is now. Jesus was sent to proclaim a message of freedom. Freedom from the captivity and the tyranny of Satan, of sin, and selfishness. You see, every single one of us deal with these issues. Every single one of us deal with temptation. Every single one of us deal with selfishness. Every single one of us deal with our own sin and our own frailty and our own humanity. The prophet Isaiah said it like this, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us like sheep have gone astray. So there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be someone who would take the penalty for our sin, for our iniquity. That's what separated us from a holy God who created us to be in fellowship and relationship with Him forever and ever. You see, what keeps us from this promise of freedom? What keeps us from the spiritual promise and freedom that Jesus declared when he was on the cross and he said it was finished? What keeps it from us tonight? I found that there's lots of things. There's, there's physical bondage. There's emotional bondages. And there's spiritual bondages. There's, there's physical bondages. There's emotional bondages. There's spiritual bondages that keep us from living a life of freedom. You see, so many people, so many people live lives full of guilt. They live lives full of guilt. Their past, they've made mistakes, they've had failures, they, they just live with this. They somehow, you know, and, and the religious concept, they think they have to try to do something, try to f- make God happier, or try to find, they get to try. So many people are living under this heavy burden of guilt. I've been a pastor for over 22 years, and I can tell you this is one of the greatest things that I see that people from, from really living a free life, and it's the heaviness of guilt, the life of regrets, of past mistakes, of a divorce. Uh, maybe they didn't quite raise their children the way that they should have, and their kid has gone astray. Maybe they've just done something really dumb. Lots of regrets. You see, we can live a life of no regrets, but we must Find that in the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, instead of guilt, God offers amazing grace. Listen to me tonight. Instead of guilt, God offers amazing, marvelous, wonderful grace. Grace that, come on, amen. I love this verse. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory after you have suffered a little while while He Himself will restore you and make you strong. You see, He's the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace, unmerited, undeserving, not your stretching and trying to 
find God, but God coming down to you and demonstrated His love for you and that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for you. That's the power. That's the power of spiritual freedom. That's what's going to break the bondage and the tyranny of the, of the enemy of, of this kind of, of guilt that people live with. I also see people living rejected in life. Just rejected. People are rejected in relationships. People feel rejected because of their body shape or their body image because they don't measure up to some image in a magazine or on television. They feel rejected. Maybe they've gone through a divorce or maybe their child has said something to them really harsh or maybe they feel rejected at work. They just maybe aren't good enough. Just this, in the news this week, my wife and I were watching the news this morning and there was a 15-year-old girl in Massachusetts just a couple of weeks ago that was rejected by nine teens. And nine of the young girls and a couple of the guys in her school, were, they literally bullied her to death. It's all over the news. Bullied her to death. Uh, one of the young men had taken naked pictures of her and, and put them all over and all this just terrible kinds of stuff. And her friends had tormented her and talked about her until she finally took her own life. 15-year-old girl, beautiful young lady. She felt rejected. And that rejection caused her to do something that was unexcusable, really. Can you imagine the pain? The pain that she left behind? Rejection's real in our culture today. And many of you have felt that. That rejection and not feeling like you quite measure up. You see, Satan keeps so many people from God and keeps so many people bound up because they feel like they've been rejected. You see, they have a wrong concept and a wrong image of who God is and how great He is. Paul the Apostle said it like this to the church at Rome. He said, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves, feeling rejected like you're insignificant. No, you should instead behave like God's very own children, adopted into His family, calling Him Daddy, Daddy, or calling Him Father, Father. You see, when you come to the cross, you are no longer... uh, under guilt, you're no longer under rejection. Now you're under the amazing grace of God that receives you and accepts you and forgives you and gives you a brand new life. You see, what keeps people from this spiritual freedom, what keeps them bound tonight, is trying to do religion. It's trying to be religious. You know, religion... Religion really is the figment of man's imagination. Because every people around the world make God in their own image. Or they make some kind of God that they wish they were. See, religion is man's attempt to try to find God. It's man's attempt to try to claw up to God. Uh, I saw in the newspaper tonight in the Philippines, there are people that are literally hanging themselves on a cross. There are people that are being whipped by a cat of nine tails and exposing their flesh among, uh, to, to all humanity to try to find some kind of appeasement to a holy God. They're trying to work their way. All the religions of the world are about man's attempt to try to work their way to God. But see, Christianity is it, it's not about a religion. It's not about a religious practice. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing God as your Father. It's about being changed at the cross. There's a huge difference, guys. We don't, I mean, I I grew up, and I know what it is to have kind of religious concepts and ideas about God. 
They feel like it could never measure up and I was never good enough. And I lived even many, many years as a Christian. I remember even being a pastor, feeling like I had to try to work harder to try to find God's favor. If I could just do, if I could pray a little bit more, if I could fast a little bit more, if I just read my Bible more, then no, 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 no. You see, you were accepted by God not because you were righteous, not because you do good works. Yes, you will do those things, but let me tell you, not because you do them. You will, you will be accepted by your Father who is in heaven, and He will call you His child because of His Son who was righteous. His Son who was perfect. His Son who paid the price for you. Change at the cross. Change at the cross. You know, not only is it spiritual, but it's also emotional. It goes deep into our hearts. Fear. So many people live a fear of the future. The economy is going to be 13% unemployment, 15%. What's going to happen to the end of my life? What's going to happen to my... I mean, there's so much fear. Politicians are sellers of fear. They're sellers of fear. They can get you afraid about your future, then you'll vote for their political party. They both do it. They're equally guilty. There's none righteous and politicians, no, not one. And most of us in the room say, vote the scoundrels out. Go on, amen. But the reality is fear keeps us trapped. Fear of the unknown. So many people are afraid to maybe start a business. People are afraid to ask someone out on a date. People have all kinds of fears. If you, if you go online and you look up, you know, fears or phobias, I mean, there are like uh, 132 phobias that are listed. People have fear of everything. People have fear of ants. People have fear of, of closed buildings. People have fear of being in a car by themselves. People have fear of being in an airplane. People have fear. It keeps them in bondage. And I've seen it. And it's a work of the enemy. It keeps people emotionally bound up. Uh, their future. They, 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 I don't know if I, 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 I'm not, I won't be good enough at school. I wonder if I fail. Well, if you don't try, you'll never know. If you don't try, if you don't step out, you'll never know. You see, the hallmark of the Christian faith is not fear. The Christian faith is not fear, but it's faith. The Bible declares the just shall live by faith. When Peter and Jesus and the disciples were on the planet, the Bible says that Jesus was walking on the water. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them while they're in the boat, and Jesus calls Peter to step out of the boat. I mean, it's an amazing thing. You see, Jesus always challenges to step out, to take the next step. God always leads you forward in your relationship with Him. In this room tonight, there are people maybe who've never really encountered Christ. There are people in this room who've never experienced the power of the cross and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are other people in this room who've been believers for a long, long time. I don't care where you're at in God. God's always taking you to the next step. We never arrive. We never reach the perfect place. See, it's not fear tonight, but it's faith. Those emotional ties that keep us back from living a life of freedom from living a life of, of fulfillment that God has called us to, keeps us back. People bound by bitterness. Years ago, there was a song, what the, world need, what the World Needs Now is Love. More love. Not the world's kind of love. Because 
the world's kind of love is about give me. It's about give me, make me happy. That's the world's kind of love. And the Bible defines it as lust. And it takes. It's about what I can get. But God's kind of love is exactly the opposite. It's about giving. It's about giving. People have been taken advantage of. They've been hurt. My wife and I sat in the doctor's office today, and the young girl that was taking care of us started talking to us about some of the relationships. It was very interesting how the conversation went. And next thing I know, she was telling us about an individual in their office. And I could tell by her conversation that there was a lot of bitterness. There was a lot of bitterness. You could just tell, you could tell by the way. You know, she knew that that person was her superior, and she had to be very careful. But it took everything she had not to just, I mean, blurt out exactly what she thought. And she did let a couple things out. And my wife said afterwards, I'm sure she felt bad about that. But there's something that happens in our hearts when we've gone through rejection. We haven't been accepted. We've been hurt. Our hearts get full of bitterness. And the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Zach mentioned when we took communion, he mentioned about the Egyptians and how that they had been the oppressors of the people of God, the Jewish people, for over 400 years. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, that while they were in Egypt, their tormentors, the Egyptians, brought them hard labor. The word actually uses bitter labor. It was bitter. It was hard. And the circumstances and the things that many of us walk through in this life are hard. And if we don't allow the freedom that's found in Christ, if we don't allow the love of God to fill our heart, we'll become bitter. And bitter people never live the abundant life. Bitter people never fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for them. And our world is full of bitterness. And, and what, the way that I see it works, work out is in anger. Watching the news in the doctor's office today. Last night in Chicago, a bunch of guys unloaded their guns, began to just shoot people in the street. You can watch the news clips today. There are wars and rumors of wars all over the world. Every day in America, someone kills someone else in a fit of anger. You've felt that anger. You've, you know that anger. Last night, my wife and I took back the shelf that we had bought for the preschool back to Ikea. And uh, we went back to Ikea, and we couldn't find the receipt. So we drove all the way down, which is about 25 miles from here. We drove all the way down to Ikea, down by the Millennium Mall. And I walked in, and I'm carrying this shelf. And I'm standing there, and there's no one in line. There's actually a couple just finishing. And I'm standing in line, and uh, I'm waiting for the lady to call me. And she says, sir, you have to go over and pull a number. Well, the store is completely empty, and I'm the, like, I'm the only guy. So I walk, I'm taking the shelf, and I walk all the way over, and I pull the number, and I come back. And so she starts to ask me, what's the, what's the problem with it? And she gets a razor blade out, and she's cutting the box open. And so I was trying to help her open the box, and they had like a little, like a little yellow and black line on the floor that separated you know, the counter from their space. And so my foot, I'm no joking, it was like six inches over the yellow and black line. She said, sir, would you please put your foot behind the line? Okay, you know, by this time, now I know you would be really calm, cool, and collected, but I was starting to feel a little bit of anger. I said, you know, 
no problem. And then she opens the box and she says, do you have the receipt? I said, well, no, I just want to exchange. I want this exact shelf. I just want to go back and get a new one because this one's chipped. She said, no, sir, we can't do that. I said, I drove 25 miles. I just want to exchange this box that you guys sold to me chipped for another box. Well, sir, that's against our regulations. And I'm like, and I said, you know, I'm not normally a really angry man, but I'm starting to feel really angry right now. I expressed it just, I don't know how, I didn't know what else to say. I was feeling, come on, you wouldn't feel angry. I was starting to feel a little angry. And she's, okay. And she, and then she gets a little, you know, thing, and I go back and I get it. And that was just a simple little thing. But undealt anger in your life causes lots of problems. But God, instead of anger, God wants to fill us with his love, with his acceptance. You see, when we deal with difficult things in life, it can build anger. And it turns into bitterness. And it causes many people to turn away from the cross because it's not fair and life is hard. You see, but instead of anger tonight, God gives peace. I've watched this. I've watched this as these physical torments come into the human experience first in my life, first in my own personal life. We call them addictions. The Bible identifies them as spiritual bondages, works of iniquity, things that you do that are harmful to yourself that you really you know you shouldn't do and you don't want to do, but you keep doing it. And it, it plagues our culture. It plagues our culture in the area of drink. Near drugs, which are really easy. Tobacco, those things are really easy. Gambling, those things are really easy. But there are other things that people get addicted to. There are behaviors, emotional behaviors, that people get addicted to sexually. And they can't seem to stop. Tiger said, I'm an addict. I'm a sex addict. I couldn't stop. This man, Jesse James, said, I'm a sex addict. I couldn't stop. But guys, we know, we know that this battle, it's not just with those two superstars. This battle's for all of us. We all have things in our life that potentially are self-destructive. For some, it's eating. For some, it's sex. For some, it's gambling. For some, it's irrational behavior and thinking. I mean, it's all different kinds of things that we find ourselves doing over and over that we know that we shouldn't. And the problem is the older that we get, the harder it is to break free. The harder it is to experience the power of the cross. Just two weeks ago, we buried a 29-year-old man who had gone through a Teen Challenge program here in our community, but he could never quite break free from the addiction of heroin. And so I stood over his coffin. Couldn't ever quite get to this place. Started really young. Those addictions had a stronghold. You see, when Jesus declared it was finished, the power of sin was broken. It was broken. But you have to believe. You have to believe. You have to receive that unmerited grace. And so many times, I don't know how to say this, but really it comes down to a completely surrendered life. It comes down to a completely surrendered life. And that's the cross. 
Because all those things that we just talked about, fear, bitterness, and all that, wants to keep pulling us back. Those little demons that were trying to, to pull the, the, the characters, Peter and the young lady, those little demons that were tormenting them, they harass you. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, the, the world wants to fix it with a pill. The, the world wants to fix it through psychology. And, and, and I believe some of those things can help people for a short period of time. But those internal torments that are taking place never really get dealt with. Those internal things that are causing that disruption in your life, if you don't experience the power of the cross, you'll never be free. You'll never be really free. You see, Jesus declared it like this, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. Believers find themselves who have experienced the cross falling back into these old patterns, into these old ways. My wife tonight told me, she said, you really are a pastor of second chances, third chances. And I said, you know what? It's because God's given me second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. You see, whether you've ever experienced the power of change through the cross of Christ in your life or not, or you're a believer that's here tonight and you've got some things in your life, Paul the Apostle called them besetting sins. I call them things that just keep tripping you up. Tonight, freedom, it's here for you. It's for you. The potential, the possibility. See, temptation dangles in front of every person that's here tonight. The temptation to go your own way lays before every person. The Bible says that God has made a way of escape. There is no temptation such as common to man, but God has already provided a way for you and the ways to the cross. Jesus said, take up your cross. You see, what I believe happens is that we do it one day, but we don't do it the next. Because we kind of, you know, maybe we'll get a couple wins, two or three, four days, and then, you know, we just don't do it. We get busy, and life happens, and stuff happens, and we don't do it the next day, and then it just gets easy. The next thing we know, we find ourselves maybe a week without really talking to God, without really having times of intimacy, of addressing Him as Dad. Hey, Dad, I need you today. And so what happens is we find ourselves back in the same behavior patterns. I've thought about this a lot in my own personal life because I'm a human and I have failures. As a matter of fact, before I came tonight, I had a piece of paper. I had a piece of paper that I handed to you and I wrote the things that in just a couple moments that I'm going to nail to this cross. You see, the road to victory has always been the same in every generation. It's been through the cross. And every generation is by trusting and believing that the work that Christ did for me on the cross was finished. It was complete. There wasn't anything else that I needed to add to it. I couldn't do it by my own merit. I couldn't set my free, myself free from drugs or Whatever your, whatever your challenge is, the three things that I wrote that I struggle with in my life, the three things that I wrote on this paper, I can't do it by myself. As a matter of fact, I've had some really humbling moments over the last, over the last month as God has been speaking to me about areas of my life, about change. And I come up to this Good Friday, and this message isn't just for me.
This message is for you. It's the message of change. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he declared it was finished. It was nailed there once for all. Complete. In the book of Colossians, Paul wrote this to the church of Colossae, and I want to read these words. I want you to hear this. The Bible says that when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive. Right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. The NIV says, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. So I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe a person today, you're a person today that you haven't really experienced the power of transformation at the cross. If you were to die, the Lord, you were to stand before God and you will stand before him. And he said, why should I let you into my heaven? So I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to do good. I went to Good Friday service. And I'm going to go to Easter. And he said, no, that's not good enough. You got to know, you had to know my son Jesus. You had to know that he took the penalty and the price for your sins. And you had to give it to him. You had to surrender it all to him. You had to allow him to do the finished work of grace. We call it repentance. We call it change.